0: We are in Exodus, where the slaves of Pharaoh become the servants of God. And Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says there's a big difference between slaves and servants. A slave lacks freedom, but a servant of God is called to freedom. Called to freedom everywhere for everyone. When the Red Sea is parted and the slaves are set free, They travel into no man's land, the wilderness, the desert. When they find bitter water, they grumble to Moses, and the water is made fit to drink. When they are hungry, they grumble to Moses, and quail and manna are provided. And then there is this third grumbling story in Exodus chapter 17. A word of warning. This one could make you wince. I'm going to begin with verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and they said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled. And because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am watching a popular comedy on Netflix that recently won a bunch of Emmys. And in the episode that I watched this week, the main couple gets into this sleep-deprived argument over little irritants. "'Little irritants,' the wife says. "'Like, for instance, I drink a little too much tea sometimes, "'and I'm inclined to get nervous.' "'The husband says, "Tea is it?' "'Well, I would say you're a little defensive and a tad paranoid.' "'Her reply is, "'Why do you speak to me in such a condescending father tone?' "'I wish you could hear yourself talk, but you never do. "'You act like a child.' "'I act like a child,' he replies.' I need to get out of here and get some air. And she says, and you never finish your fights. Have you ever been in a conversation or a situation where the blame or the negativity escalates to the point of out of control? Take some comfort because you can find this common experience in Exodus chapter 17 Professor Robert Alter says that when God tells Moses to pass before the people in verse 5, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders, and take in your hand the staff, go. Alter says that the people have become enraged at this point, and Moses' act is equivalent to running the gauntlet. So Moses runs among the crowd, and he takes a beating. Now, it makes me nervous to point out Moses' mistakes, but the fact of the matter is Moses certainly doesn't lessen the anxiety of the situation. He seems to ratchet it up, responding to the Israelites' angst with, why do you quarrel with me, and crying out to the Lord with, what am I going to do with these people? (laughs) This Bible story is rather infamous. And I say, well, it should be. It's a favorite of writers and preachers. And even within the Bible, it's referenced frequently. It shows up, it's referenced in the Psalms, several of the Psalms, in Deuteronomy and Isaiah. And Paul even writes about this story to the church at Corinth. Not every time that it's mentioned, but many times that it's mentioned in the Bible, it's referenced using the name The place, Massah and Meribah, which means testing and quarreling, respectively. Psalm 95 says, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at Massah. The psalmist claims that the people of God can start to look like Pharaoh. If we're not on guard, our hearts will harden. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at Massah. The truth of the Exodus story leading up to this chapter 17 is that the Israelites have repeatedly experienced God's provision, God's liberation, but they don't expect it. They're not living in it. They don't wake up to hope each morning. It's as if they wake up to despair and to dread. By chapter 17, it looks like there's a lot of lack of trust and ingratitude. One could reasonably argue that the people are tired, that they're thirsty, that they are inexperienced or young in freedom. There are places in my memory that are still in my neighborhood that bring to mind the best tantrum that each of my children threw in public. When they were tired, or when they were hungry, or because they were babies. There's Oak Park H-E-B, where I left a cart full of groceries. Massa, testing. And there's Alamo Cafe at 281, where we walked outside together because of an inability to sit nicely at the table together. <laughs> Maribah quarreling I think that my parents have these places in their memory also, and I bet that you do too. Massah and Maribah, testing and quarreling. One of the reasons I think that we parents tell these stories is to say, look how far we've come. You can now go out in public with some amount of dignity. I get the sense, That Massah and Meribah becomes the look how far we've come story in the Bible. Look how much we've learned. We're better at gratitude. We're more adept at faith and trust. But Massah and Meribah is also a map for the road ahead. It's an important warning for us. Don't let this same ugliness trip you up again. My friend Chris Estes pointed out to me this week, when we continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, it helps to name them. Name the mistakes. Then we can be on the lookout and not trip over them again. Being on guard can keep us from becoming victims to free-floating anxiety. And we certainly live in a time that is thick, with free-floating fear and anxiety. Because I was a student in a course called Faith Walking, I'm aware that when my responsibility or my authority gets called into question, I'm likely to ratchet up the anxiety, call me stupid or naive, tell me that I haven't done what I'm supposed to do and I'll probably run toward you or away from you. It could get ugly. On the other hand, if you challenge my integrity or tell me I don't try hard enough, I'll probably just laugh. It's good to know, it's good to be aware of the things that trip you up. It's good to know where your buttons are. In a plea for the act of public confession and worship, Rachel Held Evans once taught that people bond more over shared brokenness than they do over shared belief. Shared brokenness, she said, is the great equalizer among us. A Christian community will not form for people who can't admit to their own brokenness. I believe that to be true. Shared brokenness is a church. Shared belief Shared belief is a political party or a nonprofit call it whatever you want to, but it is not a church. Shared brokenness is a church. We all have these places that hook us, that trip us up, that are simply ugly. But that's not the end of the story. Love finding everyone, grace for everyone is the great hope. In spite of the ugliness of chapter 17 of Exodus, water is still provided. There is still grace. God tells Moses to strike the rock. Strike the rock and water will come out for the people to drink. This Old Testament story is a great place to check yourself on how you think God's grace works. Do you think that God only gives grace to people who believe in it? Do you think that God only gives grace to people who are well-behaved? The Israelites are exactly the opposite. They are exactly the opposite of well-behaved. They are exactly the opposite of faithful, and yet water still comes from the rock. God still responds with grace. There is another story of water coming from the rock during the Israelite journey to the promised land. It happens many years later and at another location. You can find the story in Numbers chapter 20. And rabbis taught that because this rock shows up at the beginning and at the end of the wandering in the desert, perhaps the rock was there the whole time with the Israelites. Traveling with the people like a portable water fountain. I love that image. Like a Yeti that's never emptied. Traveling with the Israelites in the desert. The Apostle Paul must have known of this teaching, this rabbinical teaching, when he says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that rock was Christ. Our ancestors were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. The rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. It shouldn't be surprising that Paul knew of this teaching, of this rabbinical teaching, writing that the rock that accompanied the people traveled with them, and then adding to it that that rock was Christ. We are to be assured that grace. Goes with people the whole time. Goes with God's people the whole time that we travel. At the end of this passage, the Israelites ask, is the Lord among us or not? And the answer is most definitely yes. Don't forget it and live into it. God's grace is available to us all the time, everywhere that we go. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs taught me this week that the very same Hebrew phrase that asks the question, is the Lord among us? Those very same words also ask the question, is the Lord within us? Is the Lord among us? Is the Lord within us? And Sachs says that growing spiritually involves Living through the shift of asking the question, is the Lord among us, to asking the question, is the Lord within us? Growing up in the faith means that we stop demanding that God fight our battles and show us that God is among us, and that we find the courage. We find the courage to live every day knowing that God is with us whenever. And wherever we are with God, we do the choosing. May we all make decisions that grow the beauty within us and extend God's grace to all. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, we value the beauty of this life. We value your grace and provision. We seek to notice your grace and provision that travel with us wherever we go. We even thank you that the obstacles that trip us don't define us. We are not slaves, not a one of us. We serve you. We seek freedom for all. Amen.